0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and I produce and host the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, a weekly backstage audio blog featuring our adventures and conversations and comedy from all over the world, plus the occasional semi-famous guest who stops by and chats about literature or comedy or theater or sports or Star Trek or music. But when I want to hear about dowsing, I turn to the British Society of Dowsers and listen to the Adventures in Dowsing podcast, which you, I presume, are doing now. Oh, I can feel my stick tingling.
1: Hi there, I'm Graham Gardner, and this is Adventures in Dowsing, podcast number 28. Thanks to Austin Titchener for that very special and theatrical guest introduction. It's perhaps appropriate that we have an international podcaster introducing the show today, because my guest is Canadian dowser Susan Collins. Now, if you've been listening to the last couple of shows, you'll know that Susan is going to be one of our speakers at the BSD conference this year, and she's a person I've wanted to talk to ever since I read her book, Bridge, Matter and Spirit with Dowsing. We finally managed to find a time when our schedules coincided enough for us to have a chat via the internet. Now, the sound is a little bit stuttery for the first minute or so, in fact, we had to give up the Skype call and uh, try again, but fortunately the connection was better the second time around, and we ended up chatting for almost an hour. I think you'll find it a very interesting interview. So I asked Susan to start by uh, telling us a bit about herself and how she got into dowsing. So
0: I live in Canada, and um, I started off as an artist uh, way back in the day and ended up in uh, computer graphics back in nineteen seventy nine and was actually involved in prototype internet systems even before that was a word in fact um, a lot of that technology began in britain so, uh, you know, the rest of the world is indebted to a lot of what, what Britain did. Uh, so I ended up uh, doing computer graphics and ended up in applications development and marketing sales of new technology. So my temperament always suited me to that kind of thing. But back when I was 29, uh, just out of the blue, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. So I went from being this big corporate uh, world traveler to basically being crippled and uh, went to various doctors and they wanted to... Um, you know, do surgeries and give me steroids and all kinds of terrible things. And, uh, that, that was my journey. I had to quit my job and change my life and really rework everything that I was. So the, the arthritis actually carried on for, um, about 23 years. And I tried all the regular medical um, – and I tried the alternative approaches, homeopathy and naturopathy, and nothing really worked until one day I went to the library because I continued to do my own research and found a book, Dosing in Your Health, written by uh, um, Hubert Bailey, I think, who is the past president of the BSD. Anyway, I got this book from the library. It said there are earth energies, and if you're sleeping over them, it'll make you sick. So that was really the book that changed my life. I went out in the backyard. I cut a branch off a bush. I walked across the yard, and uh, the branch moved when I crossed the static system. So I, I knew there was something to it. And further than in those days, by then I had kids, and I would sleep, nap when kids napped in a, on the back porch on a certain couch. And the longer I slept on that couch the worse I felt. But after I read this book, I thought, well, maybe there's an earth energy. And uh, so I did the experiment. I, I went into the lay down on the back porch and sure enough, my energy fell. And then I went into another room and my energy came back up. So I'd feel my energy go up and down depending on where I, I lay.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: um, about a month after that, I... I Found out about the Canadian Society of Dowsers, went to their beginner workshop, and the basic information about earth energies and water and finding things and dosing.
1: I've just never stopped since then. Was there a, a particular teacher that really inspired you to uh, develop?
0: Well, I guess there was. There was two. The first day I went into the Canadian Society of Dowsers, I was very trepidatious, uh, not knowing anything or anybody but the the everybody was very welcoming and I felt like I'd come home and my first two teachers uh, were Bruce McGill and Gary Skellen who just shared everything they they knew I felt there were no holds barred uh, no secrets They just wanted to give all the students everything that they could. Uh, both those fellows have died now, uh, before their time, I think. And, um, I've had a lot of other teachers over the years, too, here in North America. I travel around a lot. So, uh, not, not to be morbid, but, you know, Harold McCoy of the, uh, Ozark Research Institute, he's, he's gone now. And several other people, and it, it just struck me. Over these years, that how many of the really fine dosers, particularly the men, were dying off, and I I felt before their time. Mm. So in the in the ten years or so since I, I entered this world, I part of part of my passion is to uh, protect myself. I guess because I came in and I was physically weak, um, basically crippled. I was on methotrexate, prednisone, chloroquine, diclofenac. I had uh, you know, injections all over the place just so I could walk and just my hands were claws, couldn't move them at all. Um, and I, I had to be pristine in my energy work to bring myself back out of this really ill place. And so I think maybe more than most people, I'm very sensitive to let's protect ourselves, let's approach things in the most pristine and authentic way. So there's no like dark area, no dark energy. We just do... Basically, what we we came to do, I think,
1: yeah, so uh, have you always been psychic like that?
0: Well, I guess I was always psychic uh, i 'm fifty seven when I was growing up, there were you know nobody talked about this, so I could always feel energy around me, and I was terrified of the dark, I was terrified of everything, I was terrified of my basement, and I was you know well into my forties, and I was still walking around afraid of most of the things. Um, that I could feel out there. And, I, you know, I recognized it wasn't a healthy place to be. Um, and my, I ended up having two little kids, and the little kids could feel these energies around because I wasn't engaging with them. The energies are still there. I think my kids, being very open, they, they could experience some things. So I was always psychic, but it wasn't until I found the um, this community that... I was able to open that up, and I don't even use the word psychic actually, because over here, you know, it, it sort of smacks of uh, expensive phone calls with people who tell your fortune or something.
1: Sure, it's always been uh, interesting. The um, it seems to be more of a kind of holistic approach to dowsing over there, uh, whereas in the UK it tends to be a bit more compartmentalized into the uh, the different disciplines.
0: Mm-hmm. That may be because in Britain it's more mature. I, I don't know if that's a fair statement or not um north america is a huge place we're very uh, we're spread out like crazy and you know for me I, i'm the only one of the few professional dowsers that i know about in especially in my geographic area you know the, the, there's a few of us but not that many so when i get called for a problem people don't even know what the problem is that they only know their symptom you know there's uh Somebody's got headaches, or there's behavior problems, or there's whatever, and they just—that's basically a call for help. Come and figure it out. So in my practice, um, I do everything from um, from earth energies, environmental energies, removing curses, doing soul retrieval, doing water well location, the whole gamut of things. Uh, just because there's so few of us, and I I kind of like doing that too, because if for me, if one is too compartmentalized. You may miss a very obvious uh cause for a symptom, so i, I like uh as Hippocrates says, I like to know everything <laughs> mm. in order to cure in order to cure uh something or bring something to balance, you need to have a pretty good knowledge of of everything as much as we can
1: yeah i mean i I certainly agree um you know when you're dealing with uh healing and earth energy work. Uh, there is a great crossover, but, you know, you do have a lot of dowsers who do nothing uh, but dows for water mm-hmm. or do nothing but dows for archaeology.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's fun, too. I guess I'm, I'm um, you know, my mission statement, if I can say that, is empowering other people to help themselves. So my water is not my main business. I just do it. If, if nobody can find a dowser, um, I'll go and do it. But I usually say, well, you know, ask your neighbors, ask the local farmer, ask the driller, uh, you know, ask somebody in your neighborhood, what they're doing for well location. But for me, I'm, I'm interested in assisting people find their own power. So you get elderly people or, or people of uh, you know our generation, if I can say that. You know, we dowsers tend to be a bit older, over in North America anyway, mm-hmm. that we all grew up without support. You know, if you were the least picked psychic, um, you couldn't talk about it and you didn't have the support. So if I can help people bring themselves into balance now by coming to terms with their abilities and I do think that the dowsing ability or the psychic ability is completely natural, and completely normal and that if we, um, if, we if we're taught how to do it correctly then it, it can be an, a wonderful tool to, uh, to help ourselves.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean I think we are in, in changing times at the moment. Um, over here the demographic is similarly uh, dowsers tend to be elderly Yeah. Most people don't have the time to do it. You know, they're they're all busy uh, trying to have a career and families. Well, they're
0: having a life. (laughs) Having a life, yeah. Yeah, and they don't know until they're a certain age that all those things, you know, once they get their house and their job and their career and their kids and the car and whatever it is they thought they wanted, and then, you know, there can still be that little hole in the heart to go, well, I, I got those things that I thought would make me happy, and I'm still not happy. What is it that's missing in my life? Yeah. So... I always say people come to dosing uh, generally from uh, some sort of crisis, either physical crisis, which was my case, or an emotional crisis, you know perhaps um, a death or a end of a relationship of some kind. Then people go, Well, what else is there um, let's let's try something new. The old way that I thought was going to work didn't work. let's try something new
1: yeah, I think things are changing though I mean the young people are more aware of the uh, the spiritual side of life these days.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, every here, you know, all the spas do chakra balancing and people talk about meditation and it's um, it's not a stigma anymore the way it, it might have been at one time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when I started uh, looking into feng shui, you know, there was you're looking to find one book in a shop. Mm-hmm. Now, there's about 10 bookshelves on feng shui, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what would you say is your uh, your strongest area then?
0: Well... You know, I I hate to say there's a strongest area because that implies I have a weak area.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll tell you my weak area. I and I you know I hate to admit you know, by saying by stating my weak area I create my weak area. So I'm, I'm aware of the languaging of that. But I've never been that good, honestly, at finding things. So if if I get a request for finding things, I usually refer that to somebody else. Mm-hmm. But I you know for my I just focus on everything. Um, I do, I guess, a lot of work with the other dimensionals, other dimensional um, relationships, if you will. So, you know, this is working with other, and, and I don't use in working with clients. I never use the word ghost because I think that scares people. I refer to extra consciousness. Um, I'm finding in my practice now that a lot of people have um, more past life. It's a, and, and I often say it's as if because if if one states this is the case, then that can alienate. But you can say it's as if people now have more past life presence in their uh, consciousness. And sometimes that past life consciousness is kind of breaking through into ours because uh, in the past I think we knew, we experienced things and, and we have good advice for our, our current uh, consciousness. But, you know, we're, we're here this time. To fully do whatever it is we're supposed to do. So, having advice from the past isn't, isn't necessarily a good thing. I always like to say, take the wisdom from the past, but uh, don't try to cre- recreate the past. Sure. So, I, I spend a lot of my time actually thickening up the veils between the dimensions. You know, we, we talk now in the time of 2012 and, and these days that the veils are thinning, that the other dimensions are, are closer and more easy. It's more easy to cross, which I think is the case. Uh, we have a lot of native presence or Indian presence um, where I live in a, a lot of parts of North America. A lot of my clients actually are seeing uh, Indians, natives, in their kitchen, in their house because they used to live here and they're still living here. The, the native presence tends to persist. Um, so in those cases, you know, I try to resolve if there are any issues, you know, with the natives that need to be resolved. I will try to do that. But generally speaking, they they choose to stay. And in those cases, I thicken the veil between the present time and the past, so that both the past and the present can kind of cohabitate simultaneously.
1: Yeah, there's sure a, a whole bunch of uh, ancestral karma and predecessor chi relating to the, uh, the Native Americans.
0: Right. And I know some Natives, I've studied with some, some of the Natives, um, and they are kind of saying that the uh, the white folks from from the past who um, oppressed the natives have come back now as the natives, and they're they're in a terrible mess over here a lot of the time with uh, the reservation system and abuse and various things. Then it's our Western culture. Now the non-native culture is actually maintaining some of the uh, some of the traditions, and I've been told this by one of the elders that I work with, that um, that many of us who are non-native by blood are maintaining that tradition and uh, and helping to to preserve that in these times.
1: Mm. Yeah. How do you find your your dowsing uh, map, if you will, uh, overlapping with uh, the native traditions?
0: Well, I. One of the first things I always do on site is to honor the directions, uh, and that is, you know, many aboriginal cultures, including the North American natives, would honor would honor the directions. So, in the tradition I've been taught, I begin in the east, which makes uh, sense, you know, the sun rises, mm-hmm. and the south, and go around in, in the directions, and I find particularly dousing on the land, that will bring me into uh, coherence with the planet's energies, so... While I'm honoring, you know, any ceremony, whatever ceremony you do is is going to be helpful um, to bring oneself into alignment. Um, So I'm I'm doing, you know, kind of a native ceremony honoring the directions. And I know that's also bringing me into the planetary um, uh, magnetic fields and gravitational fields. So if I'm, before I walk on the land, I always, uh, we, we talk about sending the medicine ahead, where as I'm driving to a job site, I will actually be, uh, approaching, um, and this is in my, when one I describe this in, in several of my books, uh, the latest book as well, "Dousing Triage: Finding and Fixing Energy Problems." But as I'm going to the site, I am communicating with the um, the spirit of the neighborhood, of the property, of the earth, um, water, fire, ancestors, and guardians, and kind of setting up a conversation to find out if they will cooperate with me in, and I, as I say, bringing balance and harmony to the person, or if I'm doing well, uh, if they'll cooperate in finding a, an appropriate place to drill to get water for the family. So mm-hmm. it's, it's that you know, dialogue with nature, which yeah. if you take it absolutely seriously, uh, it's amazing how well that works. Really, there's nothing else you have to do except talk to nature, and it will, it will cooperate if you approach it nicely. If you if you say please, they will they will cooperate.
1: Uh, well, sure, yeah. Um, I I often have problems with clients just trying to communicate this to them that you know they need to uh, communicate with the the spirit of place and dialogue with their uh, little landscape diva of their gardens and things. Exactly. Yeah, some people are receptive to this. Some people aren't. So. Yeah.
0: We have to work with the people where they're at, you know. So that's why it's useful to say it's as if. Because you you might have some different religious viewpoints on this. And if a client has a strong religious view, they don't feel comfortable um, acknowledging, say, the spirit of place or the diva of the garden. But if you can say it's as if, um, that helps them. I also like to say God is in everything. And Mm. all, all the religions will agree with that. So, you know, God is in us, God is in that stone. And we just talk to the part of God that's in the stone and ask for balance and harmony.
1: Yeah, do you find yourself working uh, more with the person or with the property?
0: Well, both, depending on where the issue is. This is why this is how I end up doing such a, a wide variety of things because I may have a like an innocent little family who's moved moved into a place, and it could be they've moved on to a place that used to be an Indian burial ground, for example, or where there was. Uh, a tragic accident or, you know, the previous owners had issues. So in those cases, it's really dealing with, if, if it's just an innocent family and they moved into a spot, it could just be balancing the earth energies, the environmental energies, or the, you know, the past, the ancestral stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but it, it, it could be, in fact, that, there's, um, that it's the family themselves. So I look... Um, you know, often it's the woman that's invited me, and the mother that's home with the kids, because she's more aware of the problems with the children. And um, sometimes, you know, I dousing over here anyway. We wouldn't talk about it, so I I say now that you know we we come in the front door, we make the appointment, and everybody in the house has to know I'm coming in, whether or not they're there or participate. You know that it's it's time now that dousers become just like it's, it's like a plumber. You have the douser in the energy worker, you have the plumber in, same kind of thing. Um, but if it's a person, it could be somebody in their bloodline that is creating problems or a mother-in-law or, or something like that that is creating problems. So we just, we just see what we find.
1: Yeah. Um, well, what's been your most difficult case, would you say? Most difficult?
0: Well, probably me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: I don't know. You know. I never think in terms of difficulty. When I was starting out, it would take longer to do things. Um, I remember one little girl and this was the daughter of a friend of mine, and at the beginning I, I didn't really tell people what I was doing. Uh, but one day the, my friend turned to me and she said, oh, it's like my daughter is possessed. And I said, okay, here's my, here's my entry into that. So I, I asked, well, maybe I can, I said a little bit about what I did, maybe I can help you. And what I found with the dowsing, that um, this little girl had never wanted to be born. So even before she was born, she was holding her spirit back. So in the vacuum if you will that spirit vacuum other off-planet energies came and took up residence so that she was about eight or nine i think by that time and it took me and that was the first time i worked with off-planet energy Mm. Uh, so it took me about a month i think to kind of figure all that out and 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 convince like these off-planet beings were afraid to go home, if you will. So sometimes sometimes these other beings come into our dimension planet um, because I think it's going to be a lot of fun here. And sometimes they come because they're hiding from something that they're supposed to be doing. So in this case, the off-planet intelligence had taken up residence in this child uh, from, the, from before she was born. So she'd never even had a chance to express her own personality. And they were afraid to go back to where they were supposed to be. So it took me maybe a month to figure that out. And then finally, I... Um, went back to the mother, and I didn't tell her any of that because that is far too uh, exotic to yeah. convey to a, uh, a normal person, quote-unquote. But I, I took the mother into the child's bedroom, and I had her light a candle and asked her to say a prayer in her tradition. And um, meanwhile, I was, I was doing all the dosing and the heavy lifting, if you will, and the mother was saying the prayer. And with her, her compassionate heart and her love, then the situation, in fact, did resolve itself. So that that was an early an early one that um, that took some time. Mm. Another another one that that took some time back at the beginning was uh, I, I I started off doing a lot of passing of spirit into into wherever they're supposed to be, and uh, a friend of mine, her daughter had had a holy communion at a certain place, and in the photograph taken of the daughter, where there was a, a ghostly face in the photograph, and she wanted me to look at it to see what it was. So um, I didn't have the photograph, but I drew a line on a piece of paper when I was by myself and said, let this represent the photograph. And I very innocently asked to connect with the ghostly energy. And it just plugged itself right into my energy system. And that was another place where I realized how important it was to protect yourself, not just blindly, merrily, innocently going and, and doing things. Anyway, that took me about six weeks to get off as well. But all these things, you know, I think these are all just like normal learning curves um, that as, you, as, as one muddles through and, and figures these things out, especially in the absence of being able to share with anybody, uh, you do learn things. So I've kind of tried to make up my mission that for all these mistakes I've made and all these hard things I've done, to put it in writing and to teach people how to protect themselves so they don't have to go through those uh, experiences that I did. No doubt they'll have their own hardships but at least, you know, if I can share some of the mistakes I've made and how I uh, how I don't make them anymore, then, then I'm a
1: happy girl. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, I think uh, every dowser does develop their own techniques for dealing with things. Right. Uh, I mean, everybody's got their own method for dealing with geopathic uh, stress. Uh, yeah, do you have a, a a favorite method for that? I mean, I tend to still use the, the steel rods and the water vanes, you know, where, as, as my primary approach.
0: <laughs> did you say, sorry, wait, for geopathic stress?
1: Did yeah, you say? yeah
0: um geopathic stress um is a consciousness most of the time so if it's simply an earth energy um you know in, when i'm doing my water wells just as an example of you know what, what's the tool that one uses basically the body is the tool and the uh, and the external tools kind of protect the body from going into resonance when i after i've been doing water wells for a while i noticed that um, I began my search I would I would walk into the field and just kind of walk around for a bit and inevitably, when I said okay now where 's the best place to drill i 'm standing on it mm. so my, my, my body you know you, you know where it is. I would always confirm with tools um, for geopathic stress, since I use this dialogue with the spirit of place before I get there, I know which element is not willing to cooperate in bringing balance or which which element is is um is holding itself back um so often it's just dialogue you know i say with I, I say this actually with honor and respect and through my guides i approach for example the element of earth and ask for your cooperation and bringing balance and harmony to this family if i get a no I, it, that's, that's usually where the problem with the family is. So um, I had one case where I did get a no. I, big expensive home and there's kids. Um, and the element of earth wants nothing to do with me. So it's, it's kind of funny. It's like, it's like, to me, these are actual real beings that I'm speaking to. And if, if some of them don't want to speak to me, I know that's where the problem is. So it turned out that this woman, her, um, she'd had a newborn that had died in the house. And she had actually called me in somehow to resurrect the spirit of the baby, which was not healthy at all. Uh, and the earth wasn't willing to cooperate. You know, you could say it's a geopathic stress, but in fact the earth didn't want to get blamed for this baby's death. So, you know, I finally said, okay, earth, you know, dear sweet earth, you're not going to get blamed for this. Just tell us what's going on. Tell me what's going on and we'll try to resolve that. Um, so the earth ended up, cooperating and there, there was a case where it was not geopathic stress. it was the mother that was the issue and psychological problems with the mother that I tried to resolve for her, but i don 't know She just wanted her baby back, and she had so much sadness it was kind of hard mm. so that would leave, that 's sadness you know if that family moved out of that house and somebody else moved in, then the next little family is going to feel sadness right in the pores of the walls yeah. so um, you know this this stuff persists. I think if, you know, if people are just taught very simple, you know, energy hygiene techniques, if everybody knows how to do this, and I think Europeans are, are more conversant with this than North Americans, I would say. I think the tradition is stronger there.
1: Yeah, there's some interesting techniques, um, you know, from various uh, magical traditions that, uh, you know, tend to filter through from time to time. Yeah. Um, I'm also interested in some of the, the differences in the techniques that uh, we have between North American and uh, European uh, dowsing traditions, okay. particularly the uh, the use of the color blue, like the blue tape. That's yeah. something that we don't do you, really see over here.
0: You don't do that over there? No. Well, magic blue tape. Yeah. So <laughs> we use it to divert water. So if you've got a, a non-beneficial underground water stream, yeah. you get blue tape. It's like painter's tape. and you just We, we buy it in the hardware store, you, and I imagine you can get it over there too. Mm. Um, and you, generally speaking... Um, I'll speak for myself, and and I think other people over here too, we try to alter nature as little as possible. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing an energy fix at the perimeter of the property, we do it uh, just on the house or on the room, because there are other forms, you know, ants and and bees and different life forms that depend on some of these energies, and just because they're non-beneficial to humans doesn't mean that we should go around changing them on the property. But let's say we have a non-beneficial underground water stream going through somebody's bed, underneath somebody's bed. And this works as well if you're in a condo or apartment. Um, you take blue tape and uh, you, you douse, you know, how much blue tape and it might be about eight inches or something. Mm-hmm. We we rip that off. We tend to put it parallel to the length of the water stream and then if we're outside, you dig it under the ground a bit so that it doesn't, um, so it's buried and it's, it's not visible and it doesn't get caught up in uh, in lawnmowers or anything. Mm. So you do that on either side and that and that takes away the non-beneficial energy on that. Now there's some people who use blue glass or, or basically the color blue. It's gone from blue tape to anything blue. Yeah. So if you've got uh, blue glass marbles or broken crockery or whatever um, but If it's not too insulting, we we talk about the dog and pony show. So we know that the energy adjustments are made with our intention, with our prayer and intention, our connection to spirit, and we bring our our intention to create harmony. That works, but a physical anchor also helps to reinforce that. Oh, sure. so, with the blue tape, for example, if I'm putting that blue tape in the ground, then as I'm, I'm digging the hole and pushing it in and stomping my feet over it, then I'm saying, you know, the, the prayer or the intention or the statements, physically embodying the change and anchoring it there. And especially if you're working with people, um, for ordinary people, they, they have a hard time understanding that you can work remotely or that a simple prayer can, can change things. So, People are comforted by the fact that a dowser has come and installed, for example, blue tape in there. We also use um, um, a rebar, reinforcing bar, or metal rods to divert uh, underground water. I'm not sure if you if you do that.
1: Yeah, that's now. that's the most common approach here. Like I would tend to hammer a metal rod into the water you know, rather than a bit of blue tape.
0: Yeah, well, um, we do that as well. I use when I first started off because I was still quite weak you know, in my body with the arthritis. I remember one of the first uh, well activities or diverting water activities I did was in the middle of a field, and I had a sledgehammer and a big piece of rebar, reinforcing bar used in concrete, and then my rest of my box of things, and it was way too heavy for me to drag through the fields. So I went to the hardware store, and I doused smaller metal rods. They're basically long screws, so I'll use um, just, you know, small metal rods and small hammers to uh, divert water. Mm. And, and if you, you can do it on a map, as you, I'm sure you know, yeah, uh, get your map and, you know, a pen and your edge of your L-Rod and you can move water anywhere you go, anywhere you want.
1: Mm. Yeah, there are, you mentioned uh, condors or uh, flats as we would call them here. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it often is the case in an urban situation where you can't actually get to the land to do any fixes outside that uh, you have to do something within the building. Yep. Uh, so you know, do you get into any sort of uh, widgets like crystals or, or other devices in that sort of situation?
0: Well, I do. I do use some crystals. Um, now I'm I'm a big believer in inexpensive tools. Uh, mm-hmm. So the crystals I use, I go to the garden center or the you know, the fish tank pet store, and you get these tumbled crystals. And I buy it's like uh, eight kilos for not very much money. I'm, yeah. I'm converting to pounds, but anyway, for under for about eight pounds, you can get probably a duke. Um, uh, well, for eight pounds, you can get eight pounds. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. Anyway, very like I, you know, it's very nice to use all these expensive things. But if you, honestly for me, if I'm out there every day installing remedies, I can't afford, and I, I don't want to pass expensive costs to my clients either. But if I can achieve the same result with a cheaper Uh, better value product, I will. So anyway, so I use these uh, crush crystals. Uh, I'll put them out there. I use magnets a lot. So if there's an earth energy in a bedroom, I'll get um, craft store magnets. Those little things, you know, they're uh, half an inch, centimeter Mm -hmm. magnets that you put on your bulletin board. Um, I will often put three or four of those up in a room In a place that it's not going to get knocked off. Usually there's, uh, in the cupboard there's a bit of metal, or you, you can tape, you know, use your blue tape, which you probably got in your kit anyway. You can, you can tape a magnet onto a specific place. You douse where this goes. The other thing I use quite a bit is, um, welding rod offcuts. So these are very slim little rods and I'm using those anyway I make my own um, L rods and bobbers so I always have bits of welding rod left over and they're very small and you can slip them under baseboards and edges of rugs and Mm. into cracks, backs of cupboards and they tend to diffuse electromagnetic radiation Mm. so so I use, so that's so the magnets and the welding rods I use quite a bit, the uh, crystals I will generally throw into the garden. Um, at the edge of the property, Um, because usually somebody has, if if they do have property, there's usually a little plant or flower um, garden, so I'll just kind of strew that along, and it looks decorative. If they, in a flat, then if they have a potted plant, you can put the the crystals into the pot and just ask that that sort of disseminate uh, throughout the flat.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think, um, you know, we all have different techniques depending on... Working with yeah, uh, I, I will use steel rods if I'm having to work with a water line. Yeah, uh, if I'm having to work with uh, more an energy line like a lay, Yeah, uh, I tend to use copper copper pipe. Oh yeah,
0: I use yeah I use copper pipe as well, and I, yeah. I, I put things in it. You know, I, I yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I install. Uh, I'll, I'll put my crystals in there, or tobacco, or some herbs, or uh, I found um, limestone when I first started diverting uh, curry energy. Mm-hmm. I found. Fossils worked very well for me. Um, That was one of the first energies that was harder for me to divert because there didn't seem to be much literature. But I had fossils and the fossils worked. And I ran out of my own fossils and it seemed then calcium worked. Limestone works, calcium works. And I'm dosing all this out. And I finally said, okay, what's a really good source of calcium that is easy to get? And I use these uh, drugstore anti-acids like Tums. I don't know if you have those over there. But a little mm. calcium tablets.
1: Right. Uh, okay.
0: Absorbs that energy. So I'll put a calcium tablet into a copper tube and seal it up. And then that, uh, even after it rains and all the rest of it, it's like a little time capsule there that continues to balance uh, the energies.
1: Mm. Yeah, I've been using, um, I don't know if you have it over there, vermiculite. Oh, yeah. It's sort of, yeah, it's a sort of mica stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that in, in copper pipes seems quite effective. Okay,
0: I've never tried that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, uh, Patrick McManoway, who I'm sure you've heard of. Yeah, well, I, uh, I've,
0: I've met him and uh, I have great respect for him. He, he came yeah. up to the Canadian Society of Dowsers as a uh, speaker, keynote speaker one year.
1: Uh huh. Yeah, he's, he's been using stuff with um, a copper pipe inside a larger plastic pipe. Hmm. And the gap between is filled with, with vermiculite.
0: Oh, that sounds interesting. Uh,
1: and then you fill the copper pipe with water and flower essence or whatever. You know, whatever oh, the-
0: that sounds lovely.
1: Hmm. Yes, that's an interesting one.
0: Yeah. You know, it's just you know I really believe that it's the various um, techniques. If it's a personal expression of our own creativity, I think. Oh, sure. and, spe- and dealing with a client, like if a client has a certain tradition, um, I always try to work within their tradition. I've been teaching in the Middle East, uh, dowsing. And so the, art, the the Western tradition um, doesn't play as well in the Middle East. So I would try to draw on their traditions and spiritual practices to create geopathic stress remedies. Mm. And they take, you know, with the, um, the... And I have so much respect for the practice... Of bringing oneself into alignment with the divine, with God, five times a day, which is what uh, Muslims do, for example, okay. they just they're continually like the pure practice of it is just always bringing yourself back to back to that place. So they have uh, the written name of God, um, and that is you know we dosed out. I took when I went there, I took very you know Western symbols and you know types of things, but the thing that dosed best for them to use for for um, balancing their geopathic stress was the, the calligraphy of the name of god but that word cannot be put on the floor because it doesn't show respect so they themselves figured out that they could dip the name of god into the water and then take the water and and put that on the floor or on the place that needed to be balanced
1: well interesting mm.
0: yeah so it's just it's, you know i i love the creativity of of all of us who who in our own corner whether it's desert or or snow or Wherever we live, we find the thing that is sacred to us,
1: yeah, I particularly liked uh, in your book, your uh, technique of doing broadcasting radio broadcasting mm-hmm.
0: now do you, uh, do you do that over there the radi- radi- uh, radionics? N-
1: not really it 's kind of um, slightly separate discipline to dowsing really
0: ah well we take it we take it as exactly the same thing yeah, um, yeah, so I will and in fact, it almost becomes it 's almost radionics on my way out there because I, mm. I I like to say and, and it 's true for the most part that I know what the issue is with the client before I get there. Yeah. And then I spend my time in, with the client just bringing them mentally to the place where they can accept what the issue is. So that begins the broadcast. So after I do the work on site, then I do I, I generally put that person, what we say, on a broadcast. So, you know, broad, the, the radionics machines started off as these great, boxes and dials and all the rest of it. But I believe that uh, you can make a specific personal broadcast, radionic broadcast with the tools you have on hand. As long as you um, you create that in sacred space. So sacred space, the, the term sacred space is something I use a lot. So for a broadcast um, I wouldn't just put it straight on a table, for example. I would you know create, I'd put a, a cloth down to begin with or or do something to to energize the, the place, then you basically just need a witness for whoever you're broadcasting on or whatever you're broadcasting on. And some people say, well, it must be a photograph, it must be blood, it must be hair, it must be the name. But basically anything works. I, I do like to have the uh, the sample of handwriting from the person. But if I don't, since much of my practice, much of my practice is remote, um, and I'll have an email. I get a lot of... some. Clients I never even speak to. So I'll have the client's email and that becomes the witness. And yep. the, my other my other secret weapon, if you will, is Google Earth. So mm. I can practice around the globe. Um, I get the person's address and I, I look at their house. I look at their property and uh, look at what the Earth energies are doing. You can also see what earthquakes have gone on. There's a lot of information that's there. So anyway, so I have a, a witness for the place. I have a witness for the person. And then I douse out what inf- affirmations are appropriate and then what energy devices are appropriate, which is often copper and magnets and um, and whatever's at hand, really. Everything, for me, it's just doused. I have a big box of stuff, you know, cool stuff. And then I just douse, you know, is there something in the box and sort through it and create uh, a a very specific uh, broadcast for a very specific thing. So it's a technique of of doing it as opposed to, you know, step one, step two, step three. For me, everything, I, I create everything in the moment. Um, and that, you know, if you can go to that authentic place and that authentic relationship with a client or a place, then that there's power in that.
1: Oh, sure. I think that makes it more valid yeah. you know, doing it um, yeah. just power, yeah. on, on a per client basis. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly I will uh, tend to work with symbols and uh, geometric patterns and, you know, make things up like that. If I'm working remotely for somebody, I uh, usually I'll end up sending them something in a, a sealed envelope saying, you know, put this um, under the hearth or under the carpet or something.
0: Well, that's true. That's good. I will yeah. often ask my clients to go to the hardware store and, and do things at their end. Um, so I'll, I'll say walk the property. You know here's I'll here's some affirmations. Walk the property and do this this and this, and that engages them in their. People are so often looking for somebody else to fix their problem for them, and the power mm. comes when when they engage, then they access that power.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. They have to make the investment they, really. Yeah. Quickly.
0: and you know and and money isn't enough. <laughs> money is good, yeah. but they have to invest. They have to be willing to. Look at themselves and what they're doing, and and uh, let go of the pain. Ooh.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Yep. Let go of the pain. Yep. Yeah. First,
0: notice the pain, and then and then uh, face it, and then let it go.
1: Yeah. Now, I noticed on your website you've been doing some uh, research on orbs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What's where are you with that? Well,
0: I um, I've been taking pictures of orbs since about 2005, and I've written a book on that, uh, meeting orbs in sacred space. Um, I just, in 2005, I was at a a Dowsing conference and uh, that was when my first picture of me and an orb showed up. And I believe it's because I was following, in in terms of my uh, Dowsing protocol, I begin by connecting with the intelligence and beneficial energies of nature. So instead of grounding into the planet or into the earth, I will connect with the intelligence of nature so I I was saying these words without really getting it I think for about five years and then suddenly like it all showed up, the intelligence of nature is showing up I believe in these orb uh, objects, energy phenomena if you will Mm -hmm. so I uh, started taking lots of these pictures, uh, ended up at a dosing conference in California, West Coast, uh, American Society of Dowsers, West Coast Conference. And that is uh, just south of San Francisco. So it's filled with engineers and PhDs and all kinds of highly educated scientists who are very much into dosing. So it's a wonderful community to be part of.
1: Mm. But I,
0: I went up to one of these guys and said, okay, here's these pictures. You know, what are they? Because uh, I... You know, what What are they? And he nodded his head very wisely, looked at it, and he said, well, that's an energy phenomena. So I, that's the term I use pretty much when I'm looking at these things, that it's an energy phenomena that is, um, and, you know, I've, I've come to think in the last year, too, that we are creating them ourselves. So that some of these things are coming in from other dimensions. Some of them we are creating from ourselves. I think we're taking pictures of emotion, um, we're also taking pictures of other dimensional beings. Mm. So they, I've, I've got this little book, you know. I, I have the, the, I, I invented a terminology. I mean, this is very early days, and I wrote the book a couple of years ago. And it's like, well, what do you call this stuff? So I'm taking uh, hexagons, and I'm taking them in daylight. Um, some people are saying, "Oh, the uh, the orb energy is simply reflected either from the flash of the camera or from the sun." But I'm taking them on overcast days where the orb energy itself is brighter than the surrounding environment. It's like a headlight sticking right out, and there's no flash, there's no sun, there's no nothing going on. So these are um, they're fascinating phenomena.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, sometimes it does seem to be, you know, they say it's dust in the lens or water vapor, the flash reflecting. Mm-hmm. But then other times you you call them in and there seems to be a whole lot there.
0: Well, uh, yeah, you call them in and and, yeah. and then they leave, they come, they go. They they do seem to have consciousness because they will come uh, when invited if they feel like it. So some of my pictures, I go out there and I'll shoot, you know, ten pictures, nothing, and then suddenly the sky is filled, you know, Every corner is filled with these orbs, and the next picture, they're all gone again. And then the next picture, they're back. So it's not an atmospheric condition, because that would be consistent, and it's not a camera malfunction, because that would be more consistent as well. They, they come and they go. There's intelligence in there.
1: Mm. Yeah, definitely seems to be something going on there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you also had something about, uh, was it Michael Koch and Crystal Grids?
0: Well, he's, yeah, he was the fellow, he um, lives out in British Columbia and
1: uh-huh.
0: was the first fellow who took the first photograph of me with, uh, with the orbs. And mm. he, you know, in one of these harmonic convergences, I don't know, years back, he got himself up on the top of a mountain uh that was filled with crystal and i think basically was struck by lightning now if he's listening to this i apologize if that's not the case but in any case he was holding you know a crystal up and a crystal down and the crystal energy just kind of saturated his being
1: mm. and made
0: him extremely sensitive to crystal energy and uh he lives out in the in the remote area of bc and he found uh a unique cluster a, a crystal cave out there and um he won't tell anybody where it is, but he's given me a couple of the crystals. And Mm. since, you know, for the past decade or so, he's been spending a lot of time building uh, crystal grids and using copper pipes and and tremendous amounts of ceremony to interact with uh, interdimensional beings. I haven't seen him for a few years myself, but he's a very interesting guy.
1: Hmm, fascinating bit of work, that. Yeah.
0: You know, and it's always, you have to be very careful when you're treading in this area that you maintain your... Um, your health, you mental physical yeah. health, because it's easy to overload the circuits.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I'm quite big on this protection thing as well. Uh, yeah. You see an awful lot of uh, older dowsers who uh, really seem to be suffering from you know rheumatism or arthritis or something more debilitating than that. Yeah,
0: yeah, people end up in hospital, and you know, <clears throat> honestly, I've some of the people I know have ended up in mental hospitals. So, yeah. um, you know, better to be careful going in. You know, step by step, go in carefully, slowly, consciously. Uh, do your work and get out. So many people, though, just want to rush in, and, and uh, they think it's cool to do it somehow.
1: Uh, yeah, well, it's, you know, it's, it's like sex. It's better to wear a condom. If you don't know where. To...
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good analogy.
1: You can never have too much protection, I think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. And you know, yeah. and I, I feel like I'm living proof of this. That I, I came from being crippled, and have restored my health, and I'm still, I'm still, I'm still going. You know, i I think I'm okay mentally and physically. Mm. So, I, you know, I have a, a new intention. I plan to be the oldest woman in the world. So, I've got a ways to go.
1: <laughs> well, that's a noble intention. Well, do, you, do you still douse all your food and stuff?
0: Well, it's kind of automatic. So... You know, one of the things that happened early on, like we don't have time. Honestly, there isn't time in the day to be continually dosing everything. So I have this dosing protocol that, you know, you connect into the dosing system. You disconnect non-beneficial energies. You enhance beneficial energies. But then step eight on my protocol is, um, and I actually have this as a page if anybody wants to look it up. It's on my website, www.doser.ca forward slash dosing. Protocol.html. Um, so that's a page up there. It's the dousing protocol. Step eight on my dosing protocol is setting up the energy matrix. So once you have kind of doused in the moment, you can ask for an ongoing energy system that will automatically create the perfect conditions for optimal health. So I have that uh, matrix stuck on my energy field, my own biofield, and I add that to my house and to my car and to every aspect of my being so that things are automatically uh, bringing themselves into a beneficial energy for me without me continually asking. So I don't have to be conscious of it, conscious of it all the time.
1: Hmm, Great. Yeah, I'll put a link up on the show notes page uh, okay. to your website, well, be so people can, can find that. Yeah, and
0: people obviously can can uh, send me an email anytime, uh, Susan at Doser.ca, and I'll answer any questions that I can.
1: Sure. Uh, is there anywhere else you'd like your dosing to take you?
0: Well, um, yes, all over the world,
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: to the uh, to the uh, and you know and everywhere. I I feel my my purpose really is to bring this information out in a normal way. Um, as far as possible so that includes all dimensions all time frames all realities so I've, I've taken on a big piece so i just do what i can uh wherever i am so i have become a bit of a gypsy my kids are grown now so i I don't have to uh, be making school lunches anymore so i do travel uh across north america going to the the um, dousing conventions and teaching and doing workshops and i've i have a contract, uh, in the middle east to i've been a couple of times and we'll probably go again next year to uh do some teaching but basically you know i i i'm willing willing ready and able to to travel the world to bring this information out
1: so if you had one piece of advice you could give to new dozzles what would it be
0: well take your time i think um find you know read as much as you can find some good teachers go to as many teachers as you can because i think each of us has a little piece of the puzzle, so you study with one person, then study with another person. Um, Definitely, though, use a dosing protocol. I think that's that's my main theme because people, you know, I like to say any idiot can pick up a pendulum and make it move. But if you dose without using a protocol, it's like dialing random numbers on a telephone and taking advice from whoever answers. So we need to be really clear where our information is coming from, that it should be coming from the highest source. We should be dousing with the highest ethics um, and without ego, if you will. Dousing in service for other people will bring oneself the greatest benefit. So I feel for myself that I, I got over my crippling arthritis and various challenges, not because I asked for my own body to heal, but because I was out teaching people and helping other people. And in fact, I, I have in the past used a, a message board, like a little Ouija board. Ouija boards are very dangerous, I think, for people. But I use a, like a little one-person alphabet chart, and I was using that extensively at one point. And this was years ago, and I was asking for myself. I asked for perfect health in all aspects of my being. And this little message chart comes back, the voice of God, if you will, I'm asking for perfect health, message comes back, not as long as you ask. So as long as I asked for me, I wasn't going to get it. So I said, fine, fine, fine. Okay, I'll go out and I'll I'll keep doing what I can, you know, for other people. And as that beautiful divine energy moves through you, then automatically you get healed up that's so dose and service for others use a dosing protocol take your time find community you know it's hard to be a sole practitioner you lose your way it's nice to have friends join the british society of dosers <laughs> or the canadian <laughs> society wh- wherever you live you know find a community and take part in that and just have fun
1: with it great can't ask for better advice than that really <laughs> Uh, so Susan, uh, thank you very much for uh, spending time with us there, and uh, I'm delighted that the travel gods and higher forces have conspired to uh, let you come to our conference this year. I'm very excited about that.
0: Well, Graham, I am absolutely thrilled to be coming, and I have to say I've been trying to get to your conference to try trying to wrangle an invitation to your conference for four or five years, whether you know it or not. So it's been on my list, my top of my list, to come and visit. Um, I'm looking forward to sharing what i've learned here in north america sort of a north american style of things and also uh sitting at your feet over there in uh in england and with the british society um because i th- i think there's so much that the british society uh will teach me too so i come with knowledge and i'm looking forward to receiving knowledge and and sharing what we know
1: yeah i, I think this is going to be a a very good conference because we have a number of international guests this year
0: very exciting
1: Uh, Now, I think uh, looking at the schedule, we're actually going to be working you quite hard. uh, Yes, yes, extremely hard. uh, (laughs) Tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing.
0: Well, um, I, I have the opportunity to speak to the whole conference, which I appreciate. Uh, I'll be doing a lecture called Dosing Triage, Finding and Fixing Energy Problems. Uh, and that is also the name of one of the workshops I'll be doing, a uh, two-hour workshop, I gather. Another workshop will be on balancing thought form and psychic energies. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about uh, the Dosing Triage approach. Um, as you know, I've been a professional doser for... Uh, ten years or whatever and uh, during that time I get called into people's homes and uh, since I'm being paid by the hour I always feel it's very important to give good value for that and um, and to just deal with what the person's problem is so you never really know what you're gonna face when you walk into somebody's house or you're speaking with them on the phone is it going to be a a, an earth energy problem, an environmental energy problem, a health issue um, Will there be um, uh, ancestors, if we can use that word, that are hanging around? So you never really know. So I've developed a method um, w- that I, I actually pretty much know the problem before I get there. So I, I, it's a triage system where I go through a checklist of uh, working with the energies, the energies of the neighborhood, the environment, the earth, to a whole list of things. On my way there in the car, I go through these things and I pretty much know before I get there where the primary issue is and then my time in person is how do I communicate that to my client in such a way that is comfortable for them uh, and also that, so that we together can find a solution and also to do that uh, while I'm being paid so they feel they've got good value for their money. So that's really I, – I really have tried to take this to a professional level rather than a, a hobby level. Um, so that is the one of the workshops, and, and um, also in the lecture I'll be mentioning uh, the Mastodon Project, which oh, yeah. is the latest. Yeah, the latest issue of uh, Dowsing Today, which I, is a beautiful, beautiful magazine. Um, on one of the articles in there is uh, something I'm doing called the Mastodon Project. Here in Canada, uh, we have found quite a few mastodon remain, rem- remains. And, uh, an associate of mine has a farm, and, um, we believe, if you read the article, it's all in there, but it, we believe that there was a mastodon found on her farm about 150 years ago. And we're actually putting together a television show about, uh, about digging them up, basically. Um, in support of that, I've got a map dowsing exercise going on. I'm inviting all the listeners, uh, on the podcast um everybody in the bsd and anybody listening to submit their map dosing um Guesses, if you will, or, or accurate findings as uh, we're, we're planning to do a dig this year based on the map and uh, I'm running this project across North America too and the various conferences I'm going to. I already have uh, submissions from, from Britain and from Spain, um, United States, Canada, and all over the place. So I'll be just touching on that in the lecture. Uh, also telling a little bit about the, the well dowsing because I also do professional water well dowsing. Um, and then the other workshop is is working on um curses and soul loss, negotiating with spirits and doing a wide variety of things i th- I think uh probably the website's a good place to look for uh, some of the detail on this
1: uh sure, yeah, it's all on the p s d website uh, yeah, yeah, the Mastodon project is on your website. Yeah, it's on my website. Yeah, and it's also on uh, our Facebook page. I noticed you posted it there as well.
0: Oh man, it's everywhere. And my <laughs> website, just find folks, www.douser.ca, so that you can find me, uh, find me there, and uh, and all my stuff.
1: Well, uh, thanks again, Susan. I I very much look forward to meeting you in person at conference.
0: Yeah, no, I, I feel like I know you. So, uh, I, and and all the listeners, I'm looking forward to meeting everybody there.
1: Yeah, and who knows, maybe we'll uh, get another podcast out of you.
0: <laughs> uh, anytime, anywhere. So uh, so best wishes to you, Graham, and to the British Society, and uh, wishes for a successful conference. And I look forward to meeting uh, everyone there uh, in the fall.
1: Thanks once again to Susan for that wonderful interview. Uh, you can keep up to date with Susan's dowsing work, including the Mastodon project, at her website, which is dowser.ca. As usual, I'll post a link to that and to our Dowsing Protocol page on the main show notes page at BritishDowsers.org slash podcast. Adventures in Dowsing comes from the British Society of Dowsers in Hanley Swan, England. For more details about the society and how we can help you get more out of your dowsing, please see our website at BritishDowsers.org. Tell us about your own map dowsing projects. Send an email to podcast at BritishDowsers.org You can also post messages on our Dowsing Forum, and you can even find us on Facebook. Just search for facebook.com slash British Dowsers. Thanks for listening, many thanks to Hilary Brooks for the music, and extra special thanks to Austin Titchener for the intro blurb. I hope you can join me next time for more Adventures in Dowsing.